This is an ABC podcast. I ask everyone, lend your platform to other people, lift other people, share your success. We have a unique opportunity to use this beautiful game to change the world for the better. Do something, do anything. That quote is from Megan Rapino. We're here at the Outer Sanctum believe in elevating other women's voices and we know we have an opportunity to model that belief. We also believe in succession planning and we would love the Sanctum to live on beyond us. We have a very exciting announcement for you today. Good plan. Who thought of this one? To the Outer Sanctum podcast. Here is a moment in time in the history of the AFL. In from the side. Houghton. She was surrounded by blue jumpers. Breakers, history makers. <laughs> Welcome to the Outer Sanctum Grand Final Edition. It is our absolute pleasure to be here. I am your captain speaking. It's Emma Race here with my football-loving Sanctum sisters. I'm going to let some of them introduce themselves. <laughs> Nicole Hayes. Hi, I'm Kate Sear. Lucy Race. And as I said at the top of the show, we are so excited to make a huge announcement today. We are adding more voices to the Outer Sanctum because six women talking about football is barely enough. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to get a little bit bigger and we like to say that your voice in the Outer just got a little bit louder. To introduce them, I'm going to let them do it themselves. Hi, I'm Julia Kiera. Shelley Ware. Rana Hussain. Tess Armstrong. <laughs> a full quorum. So, it's a full quorum. We Almost. are down Alicia sometimes and Felicity who are out on the road and doing the other things that they do in their life. But we are so excited to have you all in here today, ladies. And you've been such an important part of the podcast up until this point anyway, that to formalise this today and to be able to share with our listeners that you guys are going to bring bringing your insights and your wit and your opinions and all of the kudos that you bring with you into our sanctum every week. We are just so grateful and we're so excited. Thank you. We're very excited to be here. We're going to have to use each other's names a bit so people get to know us. But before we do that, we wanted to do a little intro for each one of you and kind of give the listeners a heads up to why you are actually way more qualified to be doing this job than we are. (laughs) Nicole, do you want to go first? I have the delightful Julia, who is a self-professed anarchist and soft butch, (laughs) a powerhouse of women's footy from grassroots to elite. She's been a player, a coach, a club president and former welfare officer at Carlton Football Club. Julia has a background in social work and more opinions than hot dinners. Hey. <laughs> Is that true? Anything you want um, to deny or rebut? No, that's all true. (laughs) I have the pleasure of introducing Rana Hussain. So Rana is a tiger with stripes like no one else, a cultural groundbreaker in footy. She is the baby sister of the pod. She has youth and an actual job inside an AFL club where she leads the AFL's leading club in diversity and inclusion. And as of today, she's officially been nicknamed Alex Rance. (laughs) You'll have to check out our socials to see why. Does that all sound fair, Rana? Is that a fair Uh, summary? um, Alex Rance should be very honoured. <laughs> I will say though, I do know more other things about football besides Tigerland, so I'll be bringing it all. Brilliant. It's my great pleasure to introduce Shelley Ware, the Velvet Sledgehammer, we like to call her, <laughs> a professional broadcaster, teacher, a leading voice for women in football who tells it like it is, but always retains her grace. What's the secret to that, Shelley? I think it's age. <laughs> 
And it gives me great pleasure to introduce and welcome into the Outer Sanctum officially before we get matching tattoos, Tess Armstrong. She is a footy brat. As a child and a teen, she grew up inside both Geelong and St Kilda footy clubs. She's studying law. She's a news hound and the most astute radio producer in the country. She's a footy tragic and she's out, Tess Armstrong. Anything you want to rebut there, Tess? If I'm going to go full footy brat, I might as well be honest. It was Geelong as a little kid. Then it was Western Bulldogs for a little blip and then it was my Mighty Tigers, which is exactly how I've lingered on because I had the best song. We are so lucky to have you all. We're so excited. All right, let's take a look at uh, the prelims. There were some pretty exciting games on the weekend. The prelims are always better than the grand final. I feel like if Alicia was here, she'd make some sexual innuendo joke at that point. Um, So I'll do that, insert sexual innuendo in here for Alicia sometimes. Um, The Tigers and Geelong, uh, Lucy, Tess, Rana and Kate, what were your thoughts on that game, Lucy? It was a really tense game and I think at halftime there were a lot of people, maybe about 85,000 who were sitting there going, what's going to happen next? Because they were down, Tigers were down by 21 points. And I think this was a game that I thought would be close, but it didn't quite play out the way that I thought it was going to. There was a moment in, I think it was the third quarter, where Trent Cotchen on the boundary tapped the ball. I think Dusty grabbed it. I felt like that was a defining moment in that game. Tess, what do you reckon? It was a very tense atmosphere. I didn't enjoy it at all. When I watched the replay, I enjoyed it quite a, quite a bit, but the rest of it I really despised. Big shout out to... <laughs> I did. I thought I was going to spew the whole time. And on Saturday, I don't even barrack for those teams. Big shout out to Jack Graham. We don't make it to the grand final without him. And then he dislocated his shoulder and isn't going to play this weekend. So good job him. Regardless, I think Jack Graham will have a presence on Grand Final Day 2017 and 2019. He's there some way, somehow, even if it's just in spirit. Can I tell you what I did at halftime? Yes, Rana. <laughs> I picked a fight with my husband. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Excellent choice. Yep. Because I was just so tense and nervous and I shouldn't have been because that Richmond, we get a bit of a briefing. It's called Ambush and we get an insight into what the coaches are doing. It's it's what? the most amazing thing to be a part of. It's exclusive to staff members. They go through the tactics with us and so... I should have known that they would absorb the punches and get back out there and smash it, but I didn't. Oh, my God. Oh, this is breaking news. This is amazing. Classified information. Rana, will you get a briefing ahead of the grand final as well? Yeah, we do. So we just had one on the prelim, um, and then we get quizzed after it too, so it's pretty amazing. Oh, my God. It's actually really, really Tell us about the quiz. What happens? Is it like uh, an exam? It's just like a pop quiz to check if we've been paying attention, but it's a great way for us to also know what's going on, be part of it. It's a really special place to be, I have to say. Oh, I feel wow. sort of what panicked, though, about oh, yeah, the thought of Damien Hardwick going, right, so at the 12-minute mark, <laughs> what did I say was going to happen? Tom uh, Lynch, take marks, kick goals. <laughs> I feel like now that we know that, we'll just be texting around and saying, what's up? Is, is, is this, this right? <laughs> Where are they? Oh, is that very, very happen? busy. Katie. Is that the plan? Um, oh, look, I thought it was a great game. Actually, we were treated to two amazing preliminary finals, which is unusual, I think. But I made the maybe the mistake of going with both my friend, who goes for Geelong, and my mum, who who goes for Richmond, and I was wedged between the two of them. So it was tense, particularly, uh, you know, up until maybe around three-quarter time or so. But I wanted to just mention that I know a lot of people didn't expect Geelong to go as well as they did, but I think they went as well as they did because they had a secret weapon in the crowd who was pretty committed up until about partway through the third quarter when he, he just slipped a little bit. But he did this every time Richmond had a shot on goal. 
I'm sure that was human. Yeah, was I know. Actually unbelievable. Human absolutely unbelievable. Chewy, we called him, or Chewbacca. So he yelled Chewy on your boot every time. He just lost his focus during the match, and I think that was the that was the difference <laughs> oh, in the, the end. Can confirm my husband was also yelling out Chewy on your boot every time Tom Lynch got the ball. So I think that it was an omen. Thank you. Hopefully the Giants people yell out Chewy on your boot heaps of times on Saturday. <laughs> it was unbelievable. And then who thought that it could get any better? Mm. The next game had a lot to live up to. I mean, I really thought that Collingwood was, was just going to walk it in. I thought it was going to cakewalk it in. I thought it was done. Like I thought it was written in the stars. Shelley, you were there. What did you think? I did too. I thought that Collingwood were going, it was just going to be an easy game. And then we started watching and then we started watching GWS kick goal after goal after goal. And I sort of, I said to Nicole, cause we were sitting next to each other. This feels like I'm watching Muhammad Ali fight. And he's just trying to tire out a team and then someone's just going to pop out. And then Collingwood came back so strong and I thought they had it, but wasn't to be. It was so scrappy and fumbly at the beginning Ooh. and I just felt like everyone was tense for the whole time and that yes. last quarter was extraordinary but there'll be a, quite a few pies or rue missed opportunities. Mm-hmm. I think there were quite a few missed shots. That ending that last sort of five or probably the last quarter really but that last 10-15 minutes was like nothing I've ever felt. The tension was tangible. It came through the stands, didn't it? Yeah. It was incredible. So cool. Julie, you were there? I was there. I went along with my dad who's a lifelong Collingwood supporter. Look, when you watch it on the the TV screen, it wasn't very apparent that it pretty much rained the whole time. Secondly, Poncho should be free. I don't understand why they're not. I, I spent 20 minutes in the I'll line agree. trying to get one. Prepare, prepare. <laughs> let you take umbrellas anymore. No, I bought a raincoat, but it's your lap. Mm. Your lap collects water. Yes. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Rookie mistake. <laughs> I was sitting in the Collingwood members. It was very tense the whole time. When the siren went at the end, a maybe 60-year-old man in front of me threw an absolute tantrum, threw his cap into the crowd. Out and stormed oh, out saying wow. F you's all. Oh, so that wow. was fantastic. Was that Eddie Maguire? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, he was with us. <laughs> yeah, he was. But I think that that kind of represented the tension of that last quarter. But GWS totally deserved that win. Mm-hmm. I know that there was a lot of controversy about the umpiring, but I kind of thought the umpiring was fine. Yeah. Um, it was I, just the score reviews that got a bit messy. I think when it's mm. less than four point, well, it's four point difference. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it's inevitable, isn't it? It yeah. was kind of evened up though, because there was mm. that push in the back on Brody Grundy. Big one. So GWS did get a goal that people would argue. I mean, so you can keep going yes. and keep going with Agreed. stuff. I really yeah. did like it when it was pouring with rain and people were talking about how the arc hadn't held up. You know, the review system. <laughs> and I was like, oh, this is, a, we just need a player called Noah and we are done. For and the, the rainbow right across the sky. That was beautiful. Yeah. I actually heard somebody on SEN refer to the arc this week as a defunct and diabolical system. That is a wow. quote. Oh, wow. They should um, TM that. I was I was also at that game and the thing that I couldn't get enough of and I actually had to watch it on the replay was Toby Green's face. Oh, yes. It oh. feels like, you know, when you accidentally reward your children, you didn't mean to, <laughs> but you tried to punish them, but somehow it turned out as a reward. He is now well rested yes. going into a grand final. He's mm. definitely going to get picked. There's no chance that he won't get picked. He and Mummy are going to, I think they're going to be junkyard dogs off the leash. I don't think, like Mummy. Mummy might retire at the end of this um, mm. game. And if that's the case, who wouldn't crowdsource funding for whatever fine he gets? <laughs> and the other thing is Toby Green, he's not going to care if he rubbed out for five weeks. Yep. No. So, he's got nothing to lose, well, has let's he? hope he doesn't have that attitude going into the grand final. Wear your goggles, Richmond. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, yes, Rana. I, mean, I think a lot of people think Richmond are going to go in as the overducks. <laughs> <laughs> Top dogs. Top dogs, thank you.
That's but I think, if anything, the footy gods have looked after JWS this mm. year and Toby Green, the genius of JWS, Toby Green getting rested before a grand final. Yeah, but they deserve it because they've been cursed for two years. Mm. So, you know, it's nice to see and this will just be historical and I think it's going to be pretty magical for them. Yeah, so for those of us who watched it on television at home, one of the things that I noticed, especially in that last few minutes, is you know how because of the new runner rule, people on the sideline have to hold yes. up these signs and they're obviously coded in some ways that means something to the players and they held up a sign that said OTG at the end and I wondered what it was what it stood for any thoughts on what it might have stood for Emma ophthalmologist Toby Green I don't know what that would be calling for. But or Operation Toby Green. Is that something when you just poke eye the eye? I thought it was on the ground. So just telling the players to stay on the ground. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's don't come off yet. Not it's not done. <laughs> yeah. Off the other rock. side said win. I know. I know like, it's really basic. <laughs> I don't know. Really basic instructions. I thought it also might, because GWS or both teams needed to score a goal at that stage. So it could have just stood for, oi, the goals. <laughs> you know? But actually, as it turns out, it apparently stands for own the game. I was thinking at the end of the game, Lucy said, you know, something about people, you know, bleeding, people bleed black and white. And I was like, if anyone bleeds orange and grey, they definitely need to go and get a tetanus (laughs) shot. That's a terrible concept. But the thought of those colours all on the ground, I was like, it's orange versus yellow. They're my two most hated palettes mm. to wear. Mm. I just it makes me look really <laughs> washed out. I love a grey male, so I'm a little bit tempted by that. Grey male and black. Yes. But you know, that's not really calling your colour. So it's orange and yellow, which to me is just do you like chicken twisties or cheese twisties? Mm-hmm. They're my colours mm. for my, my complexion, so um, I might pick them. I actually think the ground, you know how the ground always looks quite different depending on who the teams are on grand final day because all of those fan colours get in? I think it's going to look like a barbecue shape. <laughs> From oh. the sky. From the sky. That's hilarious. Nailed it. I'm Kiara Bowers and you're listening to The Outer Sanctum. When the siren went on Saturday, I looked out on the ground and there was this sea of orange and grey and people <laughs> high-fiving and hugging. And among all of these happy people was Alicia Eva making <laughs> history on the ground. Well, I was so pleased to see you out there. How are you, Alicia? Uh, I'm going very well, thank you. And um, yeah, it was a crazy moment. And I know the last couple of minutes we were all sitting there up in the box and it was pretty surreal. So when that final siren went, when everyone, all the coaches went racing down the stairs, it um, there were a few expletives and um, celebrating a big achievement out on the ground was, was pretty special. During the game, it was so tight. What messages were you giving and what role did you have during that part of the game when it was all trying to get kind of, it was all locked in around about third quarter? My game day involvement um, with AFL is limited. Um, as a development coach with the NEFL, we're more or less there as, as support staff in warm-up or, you know, Adam Schneider, who's the NEFL head coach, he, he will pop his head around and, and give his thoughts and feedback but um, as development coach we're more or less there to support the boys before the game and after the game so we sit there quietly and, and take it all in and yeah it's fair to say I've learned a lot over the last month when it comes to you know tight matches and so yeah I think that's part of what's been so special for me is that I've been able to experience this journey with the boys um, be out on the training track with them all week do the craft with them um, and then on game day obviously to sit upstairs in the coach's box. Alicia, it's Kate here. We've been talking about the both of the preliminary finals and how exciting and nerve-wracking both of them were. And just as a fan, it's almost impossible to watch it sickening those last few minutes, particularly of your game. But I'm really interested in all of those involved in the coaching department. How do coaches 
hold their nerve? Is it possible to hold your nerve in that last few minutes and actually focus and make decisions rationally and calmly? It is It is possible and it, it's certainly the role of the coach, I guess. And and that's not to say that it doesn't get heightened. It, it definitely does. And the poor, the poor people at the end, on the end of the phone down on the bench, you know, copying a fair few instructions, but that's the art of coaching. And I think probably the main job of the coaches is done during the week and to prepare players for those scenarios. So a message can, can be yelled out from the bench because obviously runners can't go out until the goal's kicked. That's, that's probably the main during the week is when that main education piece happens. So when we can't send a runner out and we need something to get done, um, obviously a word or a sign can go up and then hopefully um, the boys kind of orchestrate that out on the ground. So, yeah, it, it has been really interesting the last month um, to win by... Less than a kick on the weekend was insane, um, but just just to see the boys snap into into action around repeat stoppages and and kind of save the game, it was his reward for effort out on the training track. Alicia Rana here, congratulations! You might not know I work at Richmond, uh, <laughs> and I guess my question is, can you tell us um, who the matchups will be? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, sorry. <laughs> sorry, I can't give away any information, but uh, no, I'm sure it's going to be a hotly contested game on the weekend. It was a really nice try. Tess, have you got a question? Yeah, I was I was pretty spewing you didn't answer that, Alicia. Um, no, you've got a couple of older players in your team like Mumford and Shaw, and they really came into their own on the weekend, people who clearly have finals experience. Have the younger players who this will all be new for gone to them for advice during the week? Is, that, is it the kind of club where they go and ask what's the week like? Um, they have, and and the younger players have been encouraged to do that. You know, we've got a wealth of experience up here. We've got players who've played in grand finals themselves, like Mumford and um, and Heath Shaw, of course. And we've also got coaches um, who've played in in grand finals. And and Lenny Hayes has been, I think, quite a few people have approached him on on how they prepare during the weekend on grand final day, and and not just how they prepare. Um, from a footy perspective, but how, how they deal with family who are asking for tickets oh. and, um, you know, their phones would be running hot during the week and just things that you wouldn't think about during the home and away season. Um, all of a sudden your phone starts buzzing and your cousin that you may not have spoken to for a few months is asking for a grand final ticket and, you know, and that's happening to coaches too. So, um, yeah, I think a lot of the younger boys and a lot of the staff are drawing on, on, on lots of different people for their experience on, on how to face the week. Hi, Alicia and Nicole here. Um, you got any grand final tickets? <laughs> um, yeah, just if you've got a spare, just send it along. I was just going to ask, down at the club at the moment, there's, I imagine, lots of excitement, grand final week and all the rest of it, but there are a couple of players who are still sort of battling for fitness, um, Cornelio in particular. How is that managed between, you know, the excitement of, of a pending game and also the potential for players to miss out? Open and honest conversations are had, and that's not just with the individual, that's with a group of key players. Leon's been fantastic throughout the whole season and how he's communicated to his players, and um, I certainly learnt a lot from how he goes about his business, and everything's heightened in grand final week. When I walked in from the car park this morning, there were were news people standing up the front, and it was bizarre Mm -hmm. for me to see that, but... Everyone wants to know what's going on, but I think at the end of the day, it comes down to just being honest and transparent to the player. So we'll have boys that are training today, we'll have boys that aren't training today, but that's just part of um, load management and conditioning and, and just following the process like we do every other week. So nothing's changed this week. It's it's business as usual. So those conversations will be had um, once the appropriate people see what they need to see. Alicia, it's Lucy here. I know, you know, there's sometimes a bit of a discourse around clubs like GWS um, that are newer to the competition that kind of beats up on them a little bit. But <laughs> I get the sense that this actually means a lot to the fans. Um, can you give us a bit of an insight of, you know, what this really means to the people who bleed orange and grey. Yeah, 
to be honest, it was a really surreal experience standing in the middle of the MCG last week. As someone who's only been at the club for two years, to see what it meant to that pocket of orange down one end of the MCG and to see what it meant to the people who'd been here from the start. And, you know, I'm very close with Alan McConnell. Obviously, he's my head coach in AFLW, but he's been here from the start as a staff member, as the first person employed um, by the Giants. And he had a moment out on the MCG, and I could see there a couple of tears in his eyes when he was looking at what it meant to all those people in the crowd um, and, and what it means for a club that's still so young and for a club that's copped its fair share of, I guess, commentary around it. You know, it's an artificial club made by the AFL and, and whatnot, but you only need to walk in the doors and be here for five minutes to really understand the substance and to really understand the culture that really underpins everything that we do up here and everything that we've achieved. It's born off the back of really hard work. It's born off the, the back of a lot of passion. Um, and, it, and it is going to be a really special occasion on the weekend um, for those people who, who've been here from the start and for those people that have been here for, for a couple of years like myself. It's a, it's a very, very special place. Um, I kind of like it. We're out in Melbourne bubble at the moment. Being down in Melbourne a few years ago, I have been part of those conversations around new clubs. And um, so I know I know what's said about the Giants. And um, I tell you what, it's very different when you walk in these doors and you, and you experience what I've experienced. It makes you actually quite emotional to think about it. So... Yeah, it's going to be a really special day in the weekend. We were pretty emotional seeing you on the ground of the MCG. Alicia, you've been a groundbreaker for us, but there's a couple of other women at GWS, um, Brie Harvey and also Alison, who we've had a lot to do with over the journey doing the Outer Sanctum. And we're so grateful for the access that you've always given us. And we wish you just all the very best of luck on the weekend because it's just going to know no bounds. Can't wait to be there and to see you just going for it. Hopefully one day we'll see you taking the keys of the Ferrari. <laughs> also, no, I really appreciate it. We, we love all the support we get from, from you ladies. Yeah, hopefully we see a lot of orange at the MCG this weekend. I know my family's all going and all my, my friends are all going. And, yeah, we're just excited to get down to Melbourne. Big weekend. So from Greater Western Sydney to Tigerland on Punt Road, Rana, what did you think hearing what she had to say? Did you get a bit nervous or does it match the feeling and what's happening at Tigerland right now? No, it brought back... Back memories of 2017, actually, and and watching GWS on Saturday was it really took me back to 2017 for us, and I'm just so happy for them. I think you know, regardless of who you are, getting to this point in the season is just just the cherry on top. I'm really happy for them, and it's exciting. What I loved in 2017 were all of Richmond stories and all of the carry on of Richmond, and and I love that you got to take the cup and all of those fantastic things. All the people that work there got to take it home for 24 hours, which was fantastic. But what are some of the stories this week that you've heard um, with the excitement and the build-up from the fans? It's actually been really interesting at Tigerland. It's very calm, very different feeling in terms of we're not all scrambling trying to work out what, what on earth do you do in grand final week. We sort of know what's coming. But I will say, I tweeted a picture of it, I think, but a, a huge soft plush tiger is back in the reception <laughs> at Richmond Football Club and just a lot of conversation around selections, really. Talking about the experience that you had from 2017, it makes me feel like going to 2017, you're a first-time expectant parent and you had a birth plan and now you're about <laughs> to give birth to the, to the second child slash second album and you're like don't need the birth plan but we've got everything else sorted we've already got all the equipment right true they've even got the police on side this time that they're going to shut down the roads they're they're really prepared 
Is this a bad time to mention the second book, Crisis? 2018 was our second book. 2019's our <laughs> triumphant return. <laughs> Thank you. Lucy, did you have a question? Yeah, Rana, I'd love to know how the club is. Like, I, I know that you'll be bringing Jack Graham and some of those other players along for the ride, but are you going to be bringing some of the other teams, the VFLW team, the wheelchair team, all of the other people who are part of the club along for the ride? Yeah, we are. We're definitely going to try to. I mean, we've got five teams now, so it is tough. But uh, our wheelchair team, our women's side and our VFL side are all going to be around, whether it's at the live side or at the game, um, the after party, you know, one in, all in, really. Rana, I mentioned before that I went to the footy on the weekend with my mum. And the first thing my mum said to me when she hopped off the train to meet me on uh, Friday night was... Oh, I can't believe that I still follow this sport. Right. <laughs> just just sick with nerves. Do you get sick with nerves or are you able to enjoy and will you be able to enjoy the grand final? I was sick with nerves absolutely and uh, that's the part I love. Like I love that feeling of being so invested in something. You have to like we talk the players talk about it but as fans as well and people who work there like we have to invest and then have the courage to go there and just not have any control over what's about to happen. And that's kind of what I love about it. Ryan, have you noticed a different vibe from sort of outside Clubland um, that in 2017 you were the fairy tale, really? Um, and this year it's the opposite. You're kind of the big guys. You're the, you're the, the, you're the Goliath. They're yeah, the, the underdogs. That's right. <laughs> Does it, are you sensing that vibe? And do you think it's, you know, the players feel it? I don't know about the players. I, I feel it a bit. But to, just be a classic footy head like we are in our bubble like once you're in those four walls it is just kind of business as usual so I suspect the players are just just doing their thing like I was awkwardly standing outside their team meeting the other day like you do <laughs> no, to the door <laughs> I was walking past and they're just roaring with laughter and kind of going on as they do and and it kind of just feels normal for now runner at the weekend the Richmond VFL side actually won their grand final. And after, you know, in, in very tense circumstances, Williamstown had two shots and goal in the last few minutes. But, you know, Richmond were victorious. And I'm wondering, you know, like if you've won a grand final, you want to have a few beers and relax and be a bit, you know, have a bit of fun. But there are all these fellas that might want to get selected this week. So how does that yeah, we've just won a grand final, but we're preparing for another one vibe go in the club. Uh, I spoke to Sydney Stack about this yesterday, actually. I passed him in the halls and I asked him that question. What did you do? He said, no, I went home and watched some telly and went to sleep. Oh, <laughs> wow. Because they just want to give themselves every chance. Did yeah. you ask if Sydney was playing? <laughs> I did. And? I can't answer that. Oh. <laughs> You're sacked. <laughs> sacked. He sacked. The real answer is he had no idea. So I felt like Sydney's deck was going to be like the best story to come yes. in for the grand final. It would just be so awesome. I feel like he's one of those big game players. He's been amazing this year. But Richmond's full of these stories. Too so many, yeah. it's entirely possible. Tess, you must be just dying to ask a question right now about your club. So, Rana, I wanted to talk about with you, pretend the others aren't here and no one's listening, let's just deep dive. 2017, we had the 2016 bad year. We had this talk of culture, right, that, that we all believed in one another. We had really strong leadership, really strong culture. And I don't feel like 
a lot of people and a lot of the footy world bought into that until we won the grand final and then we realised it worked, right? Being a really strong club inside from the top down, it really worked and it really worked on field. And this year one thing that I've loved is just the embracing of that, that we all really believe in each other. Brene Brown, she's on board, everybody's on board and I think that feels really special because I think 2017 felt it was a, it was a relief but we were the underdogs and now we're the overdogs but we're the overdogs in culture too and we're setting a standard I think for the rest of the league and I just like that we get to enjoy that. Absolutely I mean I feel super lucky to be there and I think that's the thing like in 2017 it was building and it was happening and like you said if we didn't win Mm. that year um, I don't know if people would be as on board and it's a lesson for us too as supporters to kind of believe what is going on and and when people are trying to build culture to to go there with them. Yes, and it's a lesson for other clubs too that aren't quite there yet. I look at teams like Melbourne who had a bit of success and then they had a stumble, but you're not you're never as far away from getting there as you think you are as a club. And so if you can buy in and you feel like your club's on the right path, you're not that far away from Rana and I at the top of our <laughs> yellow and black tower. So, you know, oh. jump on board. Smug. Yes, smug. <laughs> From the Hawthorne supporter. Still got a game to play. Yeah. Excuse me, I wouldn't imagine One Hawthorne. Week. Some other notable things that will happen on grand final day is that Maureen Hafey and Kevin Sheedy have been given the honours. It's the Premiership Cup, like, hand-overers. That's yeah? the title. That's mm. the title. So um, I love that Maureen Hafey has been put up by Richmond, of course. Richmond <coughs> always doing the right thing and always leading. And I don't do that with an eye roll. But I'm like, that is just the best because mm. it's so rare to see a woman on the field during grand final day after the national anthem's been sung. So that's really exciting. And the other thing is we've really got to take a moment to um, just recognise the work of the cheer squad. And where Rana is an expert, in Richmond, our own Nicole Hayes is a former uh, cheer squatter. Recovered. She said. She said early at coffee. I was not even one of the cool ones in the cheer squad, and <laughs> we all spat our coffee. And no, so, it's important to know that cool kids and cheer squads are not an oxymoron. You can. <laughs> Now it's None just gone silent in here for the first time <laughs> so this morning. What are some of the big issues for the cheer squad this week, especially given that it's GWS, they'll have to travel with their banner? Mm. I mean, So GWS's marketing plan did not think through the crepe paper. Orange is not a great colour for crepe paper. It <laughs> tends to brown. And if there is, so it just doesn't have the drama. So brown and grey just doesn't have the same panache, I would argue. Um, if there is rain. There will be leakage oh, yes. and drippage. Yes. <laughs> drippage. Is so, and uh, let's not forget right? what happened. Staining. Yes. I was going to say. Yes. Collingwood Grand Bannergate. Final. Ban- Bannergate. Bannergate. We all know what it means if oh, the banner tears. It's like massive. the end. Might as well just stop playing. The There's a lot the to think about. Just should blow the lot to think about. Game over. <laughs> Sound the siren. So you're kicking an own goal if your banner breaks. Just yeah, saying, no pressure right. to your squad. Blow the um, siren. But the biggest thing about these two teams taking each other on is it is bigger than Eurovision. Song versus song, the best songs in the land. We've got a very special Googling for you today. A lot has been said about how GWS and Richmond line up against each other. Who has the stronger defence? Which team has the fastest midfield, etc.? But it seems there's one area where they're both heading into the game on fairly equal footing. That is, of course, with their equally superior or inspiring theme songs. Now, the fact that neither has the edge here is probably due to acknowledged football futurist Kevin Sheedy. Kevin, a tiger of old himself, was the inaugural coach for the GWS, and in a textbook piece of micromanaging, he took the scope of the coaching role down to the details of what the club's song should be. 
Also, there were only three people working at the club back then, so he probably mailed out the member packs too. In finding the right song, Sheedy and the GWS players acknowledged that that stirring yell of yellow and black was really the benchmark, and they asked for someone to deliver that same energy to them in a theme. Enter musical genius Harry Angus of the Cat Empire. Harry was not commissioned for the role, but he had a passion for old school football songs that in his words, pay respect to the cultural tradition of the great old footy song sound and to the history of the game with the structures that are timeless, such as a bit of umpa, brass and a choir of men. Well, without a doubt, that Cossack-inspired thumping march of the Giants delivers that. So what was the brief then when Richmond chose their song? Well, back in 1962, Sunday mornings were wind-down time at Tigerland, with players and officials attending the officially titled Pleasant Sunday Mornings. At the club, they supplied ribbon sandwiches, tea and music. At one of these morning melody sessions, a committee member expressed embarrassment to that week's cabaret performer, Jack Malcolmson, that the club didn't have an official theme song. Well, Malcolmson immediately offered to write one, and the committee member accepted on the condition that it was a bouncy one. So he promptly went off to perform his cabaret show to the buzzing night scene of King Island, and he wrote the song on the plane, which was likely also a bouncy one. Anyway, he finished the song, but then realised that all good cabaret acts end with a bang. So he went back and added yellow and black, and probably jazz hands. But the effect was instant. Allegedly, the song was played to the team before the next week's game. All the players jumped out of their chairs and spontaneously roared like a tiger. So, in a game of one percenters, I can't see that any team really has a musical advantage here. To pick the winner, we're going to have to revert to the next best predictor of the Premier. Who would win if the mascots faced off? The VFLW Grand Final was at Prinny Park on Sunday. Lucy and Julia, you were both there. Julia, what did you think? Yeah, it was a fantastic game. And it was fantastic to, for it to be at Princess Park. The last few have been at Docklands. And even though it's great to be kind of on the big stage, you lose a bit of that... Um, atmos. Yes, the atmos <laughs> reverberating on the roof there. Collingwood were victorious, 17.52 to the Bulldogs, 2.3.15. Apart from a pretty tense quarter, Collingwood ran away with it. And we just saw some fantastic performances from just the whole team but Collingwood have some real A-graders in their team. Chloe Malloy was has been back playing winter footy which has been fantastic. We know that she um, had a pretty devastating injury in last year's finals and, and hadn't played Miss the AFLW season altogether so it's great to see her back out there. For me as the kind of my coaching hat on here. This will be the first time that we'll see a, a team that's got an AFLW license come off a premiership before they go into the AFLW seasons. You know, the first few years uh, in Victoria, at least, uh, was Darabin the first few years who won the, the State League Premiership and then Hawthorne. And for everyone in the room, Darabin and Hawthorne do not have AFLW licenses, which is horrendous. But so now we're going to see what actually happens when a core group of people get to play football through the winter together successfully and how that translates into um, an AFLW season. I think that's really exciting for all AFLW fans and Collingwood supporters. So, Julia, do you think, I mean, talking about the influence of AFLW, do you think you saw a bit of an influence of different approaches, I guess, to managing players in the VFLW Grand Final on the weekend. Yeah, and in the whole season, I guess, you know, the Bulldogs, and I'm not sure of the backstory with the Bulldogs there, but Ali Blackburn wasn't playing, um, Hannah Scott wasn't playing, they're, they're real A-graders. I don't know if there was an injury or something there, but pretty much all of the 
A graders. I hate that term, but that's what the term seems to be um, for Collingwood were out there. And as a result, we saw some fantastically slick footy. Yeah, and you could just see it in the ball movement and the skill level and all that kind of stuff. I think that that's what's needed for the development to happen. As we know, up until now, AFLW has been such a short season. Teams have struggled to gel right from round one. Whereas if you're coming off a really great kind of cohesive winter season, um, then that should translate yeah, but it was it was definitely a different looking side Bulldogs to the Pies in terms of the players that were out there. We haven't talked about this yet with this introduction of the the new people into the uh, sanctum. But Shelley, do you follow Carlton in AFLW and in AFL? Why well, yes, I do. <laughs> okay, and Rana, I expect you're Richmond in both. I will be. Yes, Julia Kiera. Who do you support in AFLW? All Falcons players. <laughs> <laughs> Go footy, Which says is Julia. Much every team has almost one, right? <laughs> Almost. I do go for Carlton. Did you do. Work you there. did work there. Oh, yeah. no, I know that. I was just checking. Yeah. I was just checking. I mean, we, Hawthorne doesn't have a license, so we mm. are split. Nicole, what do you? What? What's your declaration for your your He's Tigers? Me. Aren't you next year? Sure. Do you follow? Sabs, I love right? Sabs, and I love the Tigers and everything they're doing at the club. And so I, my heart goes there. But I, I'm a little bit like Julia. There's so many great players that I really have invested in. So until there's a brown and gold, I'm not really 100 percent anything. Uh, I remain committed to the Crows. Until we get a Hawthorne licence uh, and I, I hope the AFL is listening. And I'm sticking fat with Melbourne yeah. again until Hawthorne gets a licence. Emma? Carlton? Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> this makes my husband so happy. Mm, yeah. I mean, it makes me happy too. Mm. There's a lot of Carlton in this room now, just saying. <laughs> smug face. Speaking of smug, Lucy Tess and I went to the Brownlow. It was won by a gentleman called Nat Fife. That's he looks Nathan. a lot like Ben Brown. <laughs> he looks like Nat Five, unless you're my mum, and then you think Ben Brown is Nat Five. I want to say this as my report on the Brownlow. I've loved the Brownlow my whole life for the count, not for the dresses. You can get cynical in footy, obviously. You can get cynical after a very long season. And I was like, oh, we get, you know, we're seeing some things up close. I mean, I get to sit in a studio with you guys. It's pretty amazing the opportunities that we've been having. And I thought, I wonder how I'll feel about Brownlow um, because there's no women going to win the award. <laughs> and um, then we got there and I had a really nice time. It was just really fun and it was really footy and it was a real celebration. And, and you know, everywhere we went, people actually, for better or for worse, knew who we were. That's a bit scary. They, know, I think they didn't always like us, but they knew who we were. <laughs> That's definitely the vibe I got. They didn't always like us. <laughs> I, I agree. I'd say I had high expectations and it was easily as exciting as I thought it was going to be. It's like the festival of footballers in real life. It's so much fun. Yeah. And the action is in the lift lobby and the lifts. That was pretty exciting. To... What, what kind of action? Yeah, was really. <laughs> like so many people that I would never be able to recognise, you know, I couldn't Lucy tell who Racing they were. Lucy with Jago Mira in <laughs> lift number oh four God. with a key card. <laughs> Can I ask you both this? Is it more exciting to be in the room and watch the vote count unfold than it is at home on television? Because it, it is pretty be. dry on TV. I find right. it peak exciting at home when I'm mug boots, but it Me was too. even more exciting and it went quicker. I can't believe it. Oh, Some right. weird time suckage thing. It went quicker. Tess it was did. also it's called there. champagne. I'm going to agree. It, yeah. it went way quicker in the room because I don't like ads because I'm very ABC. And so the ads make it feel like it drags on and on and on and on when I'm watching the telly. But when you're there, you have to go to the toilet during the 
ad breaks and then there's this massive countdown clock and it's like 10, 9 and the security like run so you can get back into the room which is very stressful. It's like elite musical chairs. Yes, absolutely. And I will add, it was a very nice environment. I did run there straight from work. I got dressed in the toilet downstairs, shot across the road, texted my mum and said, how good is this getting dressed in the bathroom? Um, when mum went to a few Brownlows back in the day with dad and she said, I got dressed in the limo on the way there from work too. So we're very on brand as a family. Can I just quote Deborah Francis White and say, I'm a feminist, but you all looked so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) They were glamorous. Can I just say this? There's a point where, and we were very lucky to be invited. I felt really grateful and really lucky to be invited because it was, we were able to have conversations in the room. And that has been a theme over this year. People who've opened the doors to us have allowed us in to have conversations that weren't being had before. And hopefully some of the conversations that we had in that room on that night and over the last couple of days and weekends, we're hopeful that there'll be changes that we see that we can track back to conversations that we were kind of allowed and um, mentored to have. And for that, we need to really thank Tanya Hosh, who has really championed this podcast and certainly the people in this room. And I think she's probably our pin-up girl for the year. She's (laughs) been pretty amazing. She's had a cracking year. Um, Coach of the Year was announced. It didn't go to Alistair Clarkson. It still eludes him. He, I'm not saying he deserved it. You see, I'm just saying he's never won one. Lucy, no, do you have an correct. issue a, a issue with that? I do not have an issue with Chris Fagan winning Coach of the Year. I think it's amazing the fact that they, in 2017, Brisbane were bottom of the ladder. They finished 15th last year and second this year and really only just missed out on getting through to that prelim. I don't think anybody can argue with Chris Fagan being such a worthy Coach of the Year. I will always have an asterisk next to 2015 (laughs) where Luke Beveridge won it the year before he should have, uh, in my humble opinion. a good call. Can I just Mm. make sure that we call it the Alan Jeans Senior Coach of the Year Award? Yabby to close friends. Sure, we can Sorry. do that. I'd like to call it the Bit Goddard, but whatever. <laughs> well, it's just he was such an extraordinary coach and had such a legacy of the game, and I think we should call it by its full name. Okay, the Yabby. Ellen Jeans Coach of the Year Award. <laughs> Brought to you by. It is actually what it's called. That's what you by Nicole. The Ellen. The <laughs> Ellen. You had a face. You what? Did. You had that face. That one. The Ellen. Yabby <laughs> This episode is just running away with us. It is time to, for us to get to final business because we are at the end of a very long season. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just crawling over the line. We've got the green whistle on hand ready in case <laughs> no one makes it. A huge reminder that on grand final day, we will be part of a broadcast with Libby Gore from ABC Melbourne. We will be outside gate two at the MCG and you can come along and visit us. We're all going to be on at staggered times, but once we have them all locked down, we'll post them on our socials. So you can come along. From 8.30 though, yeah. From 8.30. Mm. Yeah, it's such a fun day out the front of the G. It is. It's so much fun. People just travel there just for that. I'm going to ask you tips. I feel like we don't need to ask Rana and Tess. It's going to be really tricky for us to come up with one. Although, ask us our Norm <laughs> Smith Who's your Norm Smith test? Dion Prestia. Who's, who's your Norm Smith test? I'm going to say Basha Hawley. Deserved. <laughs> robbed of the 2017 one. Deserves this one. The way the vibe's changed in this pod, by the way, it's very Richmond-centric now, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Letters of get this week over. I'll, I'll just say this is going to be a really hard-fought, scrappy game, mm. and I think it's going to be a close one. You're just saying that because you're Richmond. Richmond's going to win it by 20 goals. <laughs> It's what you don't want people to say. Okay, we're going to go to actual footy chops to find out who will win it and why. Julia Kiara, who will win it? Am I the footy chop? 
Oh, man. <laughs> Pressure's on. Um, Wait. Having watched In the Flesh the Giants last week, that we're going to make Gilead McLaughlin's dreams come true. It's going to be a Giants premiership. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And we'll, we'll get the Norm Smith. <laughs> come out to Waterford. We'll Toby. Uh, Toby Green, Norm Smith. Is That's what be I was So unpopular. Oh, somehow and, I don't think that'll happen. Oh. Didn't that might happen. Oh, who yeah. knows? I'm going Shane Edwards. Yeah. Okay. No, okay. Are you going for Richmond, Shelley? No. <gasps> You're tipping giants. Actually, I love Richmond. I love Richmond. I love all the work that I do for them, but I love when history's made. Yeah. So that's why I'm going with GWS. They've been a bit greedy, haven't they? Yeah. They've been oh, too dominant. the Hawthorns. <laughs> yeah, really. Are we going tips or who we're barracking for? No, tips. They tips. are different. No, I think they're the same. I think, I think Richmond's just going to get it, but I think take your heart medication. <laughs> What will your beats per minute be, Katesia? Probably 195. Well, you know, I've been saying Richmond for a couple of months and I'm not changing my mind. I reckon they'll win by 11. And 11 uh, goals or points? 11 points. Uh. Actually, I did say this the other night at the footy. I mean this. Uh, my favourite player to watch in the competition, outside Hawthorne players, of course, is Dustin Martin by a long way. I love mm. him. I love to watch him. I'm saying that he's going to win the Norm Smith because I'm, I'm willing him to win the Norm Smith because there's nothing better in my view than seeing him play a great game. Nicole. So I'm completely torn. It's either going to be like six or seven goals to Richmond or it'll be a close one to GWS. And I'm going to go. <laughs> well, that's I, I just feel like if GWS part, really show up, I think they can win. I hope but they if show they up. Are, um, I just think that there's the nerves can be really overwhelming for young players and, and first time into a grand final. And last week might have been their grand final. It does have that feeling. But if they can show up and play their best football, I'm going to go GWS. When you say you're sitting on, when people are sitting on the fence, do you see a white picket fence? Or I do you sure see? Do. do you? Does anyone see any other different type of fence? I just think I splinters. What do yeah. you see? I see like an old country worn out fence. Mm. Yeah. Oh, like around a farm. I go yeah. the Mission Brown, the I standard see Mission, Mission Brown. Brown. Yeah. I see like a wrought iron, painful. Oh, wrought iron. I see white pickets. Oh, no. so, this is why like we a, got the new voices in because now we've got some totally different diversity. opinions. Diversity. I see those wire fences around footy grounds, country Same. footy grounds. should Same. be yeah. that. I don't know why I don't see that. Shelley and I are sitting on a white wooden picket. That, that sounds hurts. painful. That's what we do. That hurts. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I'd love Basha Hooley to win um, the Norm Smith. I thought he was the player of the finals thus mm. far. He's been unbelievable and I think it's because he really wished that he'd won the Norm Smith and so he's just making up for it now. It is time for us to get out of here. We do have something that we have to say before we do that. But I wanted to say that we are always buoyed by everything that our listeners and supporters and followers give back to us. It's huge. You've been amazing this year team. We have loved getting your messages. We love interacting with you on all of our socials. We know how much um, this pod means to you, but you mean just as much to us, probably more. We love it when you come up and hug us and say hello and cry and all that kind of crazy stuff in the outer. And we're looking forward to the next time we're back. It'll be AFLW season. And that is just so exciting. On that, we were sent what is a love letter and a beautiful gift from one of our dear followers and friends of the pod, Andy, who you might remember, Andy recorded a song for us um, that we played at our outside broadcast last season. And he's done it again. And it's the most beautiful way for us to end this season of The Outer Sanctum. We thank Andy and his mate Claire so much for putting together this beautiful song. And without further ado, is that how you say it? Adieu? Adieu. Adieu. It's A-D-O. Without Further a Stuart Jew. Without <laughs> further Stuart Jew. <laughs> we already did say it. Go, Go footy! footy!
54 people Filled Adelaide Oval on the last day in March 53,034 people How do you measure a season that's over too fast? In new teams, in long sleeves, in pack marks, in conference systems In debuts, in goals, in retiring champs In 53,034 people Watch how this league grows when it's given a chance Playing with love Cheering with love These girls we love Measuring love Season of love Controlling the midfield Yvonne Bonner's freakish snap at goal Meg Mac turned her second chance into stardom Ellie Blackburn tackles screams of holding the ball In chest often steals And in Ash Brazzles run When Aaron held back tears And the crowd roses won we wear homemade t-shirts and we bring homemade signs We've built so much in only three years and the future looks bright Playing with love Cheering with love These girls we Season of love. love Nine weeks of love. love Turbo showed us how she picked up her nickname Tegan Cunningham blew off the Docklands roof Maddie Press Parkus has been playing since Oskick Invest in women and they'll show you the proof The game takes its toll But the injuries heal And women young and old Now take to the field The season is long over But community doesn't end We grabbed our footies and got to the games With our family and friends Playing with Season of love Nine weeks of love